Hello. Hi. 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 Hello. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious I'm about. Curious about. I'm curious about building open, authentic, loving relationship. I'm curious about jealousy. I'm curious about polyamory. Does it just mean that you're fucking all the time? How can I tell my parents that my partner is already married? I'm curious about... How do you know when you're too busy to have another relationship? I'm curious about dominant and subordinate relationships. I'm curious about sexual health. How can relationships evolve with people as they grow and change? A lot of people do all the work on themselves, but then they have to go out into that frightening ocean filled with all sorts of slimy things, right? So I get it. Welcome to the Curious Fox podcast. For those challenging the status quo in love, sex, and relationships, my name is Effie Blue. And today I'm joined by. I'm Allison Moon. I'm a sex educator and the author of Girl Sex 101 and Getting It A Guide to Hot, Healthy Hookups and Shame Free Sex. I got to know Allison through her book, Girl Sex 101. I came to my queerness later on in my life. And I felt very unskilled when it comes to women. By the time I was exploring my attraction to my own gender, I'd been having sex for decades. I'd become a relationship coach, a sex educator, and I was an active member of the sex positive community in New York City. I felt confident in those spaces. Well, as long as I was having sex with men or in group settings where I wasn't really focusing on women or anybody else really, I yearned for intimacy with my own kind but I felt lost. I felt like what I imagine a teenage boy would feel. Then, randomly, one day at a festival, someone was passing around this big book with a colourful, road-trip-themed cover called Girl Sex 101. When it landed on my lap, I was elated. Most books written about women's sexuality are written for men from a heteronormative point of view. I know this because I've read most of them. They gave me information, but not understanding or confidence. This book was different. It spoke to me at that time in my life. I ordered it there and then, so it would be waiting for me when I got home. For weeks after, I clutched that book under my arm. It was under my bed, under my pillow, in the bathroom, on my desk, on the kitchen counter. My copy is well-worn at this point. It's annotated and highlighted and dog-eared like any good reference book is. It has my name and email on the inside cover with a note that reads, If I lent this book to you, I expect it back. If you need your own copy and can't afford it, I'll buy you one. You can't keep this one. Alison's latest book is called Getting It, a guide to hot, healthy hookups and shame-free sex, where she covers all the bases of hookup culture. So that's where we started. I was curious about what Alison's take is on what a hookup is exactly. Well, I think there are as many definitions as there are people who engage in hookups, but hookups, in my mind, are a a form of casual sex in which there are no expectations for a relationship beyond the engagement that you are having with that person at that time. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And then why do people engage in hookups? Like, What is what is the draw? Because we get told often that sex is best in relationships and when there's like emotions involved, you know, that's kind of rhetoric out there in the world. I'm curious to why people would want to or why people do end up getting hookups. 
I mean, hookups, people use hookups for all sorts of different reasons. Um, I think that there is just the fundamental biological reality of the fact that sexuality for most human beings is something we seek out and want. And oftentimes, if we are not in a relationship, we are denied that kind of sexual exploration, gratification, pleasure, joy, etc. So I, I like the idea of giving people permission to consider unlinking monogamous relationships and sexual pleasure. And for a lot of people, we will engage in hookups to get over somebody or to on our way to find our forever person, right? So we can engage in casual sex in a way that gets us closer to relationships. But a lot of us also engage in sex outside of this idea of having to pursue monogamous relationships. And so I think for for me, hookups can be a wonderful way for people to kind of decide what kind of relationships they even want, what kind of sex they even want. The very first chapter of getting it is a self-assessment, teaching people how to really think thoughtfully about what kind of role they want sexuality to play in their life and what kind of sex that they want in their life. I think most of us are never even given permission to think about those things, right? These, this very heteronormative, this very monogamous normative world in which we live in, that we aren't really shown that there are options. We aren't really taught that you, you don't have to follow this script. And so I think one of the things that, you know, my queer identity gave me was, was as soon as I realized that I wasn't heterosexual, I started also examining other paradigms that were given to me as though they were normal, natural, and the only way and started deconstructing those as well. And one of those things I found was this notion of monogamous sexuality, that maybe not everybody wants that. Maybe not everybody wants to pursue that, or maybe not everybody wants that all throughout their life, right? There are different ways in which we can get excited about sexuality, either within or outside of monogamous pairings. Absolutely. That rings so true to me. The idea is once you start questioning one thing that you've been told is the truth and then when it isn't the sort of how that transpires into everything else you know and that kind of rolling downhill and and you questioning everything and and hopefully it it really transpiring into discovery and insight and self-knowledge and more full self-expression definitely resonates with me I do agree with you that we're often fed this kind of one-size-fits-all narrative about this kind of stuff I'm curious to what you think what are some of the different discoveries people might find about themselves and their sexuality and and what they want out of a relationship besides the one we get told, which is kind of heteronormative, mononormative, this is your option. For people who do the assessment from the first book, from the first chapter of your book, what are some of the discoveries people come up with just to give people like a starting point? Sure. I mean, I think one of the things that is underrated, but at the same time, kind of the crux of it all is variety. When you have sex with people, a lot of different kinds of people, you get to understand how a lot of different people enjoy sex, right? If you're with your high school sweetheart and then you marry them and then you're with them for life, if that works for you, great. But that also gives you deep insight into one person. And I think a lot of the stereotypes people move through the world with as adults are based on this idea that everybody works the same way. And if you don't, you're broken, right? This idea that, you know, you're not supposed to enjoy pain because pain is painful and pleasure is good. So, you know, the the idea that if some people might enjoy pain with sex is anathema to those people, right? Whereas the more you start to get to know people, get to know how their bodies are put together, get to know how pleasure moves through them, get to know what turns them on, the more you get to be a more well-rounded person by just knowing, understanding more about the diversity of human sexuality. And then you can use all that stuff 
to get a better sense of your own sexuality. What do I like what they like? Do I want more of what they want? Um, or do did that not really work for me? And I'm just going to say, ah, eh, I'm not into that later. All of that's information, right? And that information can be used in all the ways that you want to integrate that into your, your own sexual kind of mosaic. So I think for me that just understanding humanity is this really fundamental thing about exploring casual sex. And kind of as a side note, like this is one of the things I really love about like sex parties and orgies is even if you don't necessarily engage with sex with other people at those spaces, just seeing how other people engage in sex with other people can be so illuminating to just, again, the the beautiful mosaic of human sexuality. It's really, it's a deep, profound education in what it means to be a human being. I mean, like, I, I know that sounds really lofty, but I think it's important for us to acknowledge that this stuff is different for everyone. And the better we can get at understanding it, the more adaptable we, we can become as people and the more open-minded we can be to humanity in general. Honestly, I know you're saying it sounds lofty, but I think it just sounds really accurate to me. And and I really mean that because one of the things that we say on the show is that I, I truly believe your your sexual expression is a part of your self-expression. And I think that's the case for, for all of us. And I've definitely felt like as I've got to know people, I have become curious about their sexual expression as I got to know them, because I do think it's a part of their whole human existence. And in some cases, I was fortunate enough to explore and they wanted to sort of share that with me. In others, it just remained as a curiosity. But it is, it, it is a big part of us and the way that we are in the world. And I think the fact that we can explore that is, is really exciting. And I cannot agree with you more on sex parties because we don't get to see real sex really anywhere else. Very, very rarely, unless we walk in, into a room and by accident, we don't see real people having real sex. And really the only sex that we see is either Hollywood, so you're looking hands and feet and like breath and sheets, or you're looking at <laughs> porn, which is like violent and, and for camera angles only and really for the for the male gaze only. So sex parties are, are like you said, profound educational spaces where you can find you see the, the array and you see real pe people having real sex and, and going after real pleasure without really thinking about anything else. So I, I, I do agree mm -hmm. with you um, for sure. So what do you think gets in the way of us all going out there and hooking up left, right and center? Because I agree with you. I think, <laughs> I think it's a great place of like insight and discovery and fun and joy. But why aren't we all doing it? Why are we not all out there on all the apps and hooking up <laughs> left, right and center? <laughs> Well, the, the, the main reasons, and again, outside of the personal preference reasons, we, I'm going to acknowledge that that's a real thing, sure. but yeah. the, the larger reasons, the kind of more societal systemic reasons are shame, right? Mm -hmm. And external shame, shame that is put upon us and sh internal shame, shame that we have inside ourselves. And those things are obviously inextricably linked. Uh, babies do not come out into the world ashamed of their bodies, ashamed of sexuality, right? We, that is something that we, we learn growing up in all the, I mean, so many different societies, most of the societies around the world, right? Like um, there are some really beautiful beacons, but for the most part, every culture has its own version of kind of control via sex, right? Um, so I think that we have to acknowledge where those lessons are coming from. And we start, I think, again, we have to start, like you mentioned, use, using curiosity 
looking at our own biases and looking at our own expectations around sexuality with a critical eye, with a curious eye. Like, where did I learn this? Why am I afraid to get naked in front of this person? Why am I afraid of telling them what I want? Why am I afraid of even acknowledging to myself what I want, right? These lessons come from somewhere. They can come from the church. They can come from politics. They can come from our carceral state. They can come from any different number of places. But I think the first step is to really start to pay attention to those lessons. You know, for me, I grew up in a pretty, you know, feminist, pretty liberal, like Midwest household. But I also went to Catholic church growing up. Right. And so I definitely heard those messages. And my school, my public school was an abstinence only education. And then it moved slightly to abstinence is better education. But I did not get taught healthy relationship skills. I did not get taught how to treat my high school sweetheart with love and respect as we were exploring sexuality together, right? Like that was something I had to figure out. And again, still, like I wanted to have sex without outside of marriage. I knew I was a sexually precocious kid, but I didn't have a way of exploring that because my parents said, wait until marriage. And my school said, wait until marriage. And I thought, I don't know if I even want to get married, period, let alone like, Mm -hmm. so like, does that mean I'm never (laughs) to have sex? Right. Mm -hmm. So basically I had to, I had to do that for myself. I had to kind of take that step to engage in sexuality with somebody that I liked when I was in high school, because I didn't have any healthy models for doing it by it. Like no adults in my life were telling me how to do it appropriately and safely. I had to figure it out for myself. And again, like that's kind of my situation is among the better in our society, right? Like I didn't grow up in a church that told me that like women are property, right? Or that, you know, you have like, you're not allowed to be on birth control because your body belongs to your husband, right? Like I didn't get that lesson, but that lesson Mm -hmm. is pervasive. And that lesson is coming back with a great ferocity in American culture for sure. Mm-hmm. So I think the best thing we can do is as we do these self-explorations is to really interrogate the sources of these shame lessons that we get. Mm-hmm. Who's telling us that we shouldn't pursue the sex we want and what is their agenda, right? Mm-hmm. And that kind of idea, like that, that anti-trans backlash we're living through, that anti-queer backlash that we're living through, it's a means of control. It's just a means of state control, which is always mm-hmm. how it is. And Mm -hmm. sexuality is one of these ways in which people can be free and can exist outside of capitalism, right? And at the same time, that's what it's very threatening to the state when we decide how to have babies and when, when we decide how to have sex and when, when we decide how to create marital bonds and when. The state doesn't want us to decide for ourselves. It wants to tell us how to do it. And that's so that's very threatening. But again, very lofty concepts, but this is all tied into just the nature of humanity. It just rings so true to me. Our last episode was about masturbation and um, Jacqueline and I, my my co-host and I, we were talking about why we masturbate. And and for me, in that list, near the top is, I do think it's one of the most subversive acts that you can do. It is very anti-capitalist, very anti-consumerism. You owning your sexuality with your own body is one of the, the you know, the subversive acts and, and, and sort of resistance to the, the the status quo that you can do out there. I, I really, I really believe that. So when you, when I hear you say that, I fully agree with you. I, I think, I think um, definitely you're right. Okay. So we've established that it's really shame and let's say we've got over that and we've, you know, re, and we looked at uh, the messages that we got and we somehow managed to unlearn some stuff and rethink some stuff, reframe some stuff. And we, we, we claimed our sexuality. We put ourselves out there. Um, how can we actually set things up so that we are having hot, healthy, shame-free hookups. 
because it is a wild, wild west out there. I'm not gonna lie. Like, the, apps, <laughs> yes. the bars, you know. I think it's you know. I think we share a similar ideology when it comes to sexuality and sexual expression and exploration. Um, and then there's a truth that it is a wild, wild west out there, especially if you are women identifying or trans or any, anything yeah. that you're not a man. Actually, <laughs> that it is kind of <laughs> it is pretty rough out there. So how can we how can we set things up personally? And also, I'm interested in like societally, if you have any comments on that, so that we can be be out there for those who want it and can have hot, healthy, shame free hookups. Yeah, it's a great question because I think you're right. Like a lot of people do all the work on themselves, but then they have to go out into that frightening ocean filled with all sorts of slimy things, right? So I get it. Um, I think that, you know, part of it comes from, first of all, like arm yourself with knowledge and protect yourself, right? Like really get a sense of, okay, here are the ways to protect myself um, around like, again, pregnancy risk. Here are the ways to protect myself around STIs. And then here are the boundaries that I have going into this dating world. Like here are the standards that I'm setting for people that they need to meet in order to be able to have access to my body. And this is the hardest part, right? Because, you know, like you don't go grocery shopping when you're hungry. Um, It's really hard to, to date and hook up when you're really desperate for touch and intimacy because we can all make bad food choices, right? Uh-huh. It's, it's just part of us. Sure. So the best you can do is arm yourself with all the knowledge you need and to really establish those boundaries in a place before you start engaging so that you know, like, this is my bottom line. And then when you have those standards, like you can start to really start to move through the world looking for people who, who meet that bar. And I think, again, the apps are great, but I think using them in a way that's very thoughtful, like learning to decode what people are asking and learning how to ask questions that will give you the right, like the answers that you're looking for, right? Whether positive or negative, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, here are the, these are the things I want. Like, I mean, I have no, so many people who have like, you know, I don't fuck, uh, or sorry, I don't know if I can use that. that No, you can say whatever you want. No, no, you can say whatever you want. Like, you know, like I, I, I don't, I don't sleep with people who are anti-abortion, right? Like that's like, if you are anti-abortion, you need not apply to my vagina, right? Like fine. And also the same, like, I feel like when you are really clear about who you are, I believe that you start to scare off the wrong people and invite the right people around. Mm. So in that way, I also say like, you know, getting laid on recommendation is one of the coolest things in the world. I have, I have been laid on recommendation so many times. So many of my friends have too, because I've like hooked up with somebody or flirted with somebody at a party and it's clear it's not going to work out, but they're like, you're cool. You know what? I have a friend. Are you <laughs> want to meet my friend? And yeah. those, I feel like, again, it's, it sounds kind of old fashioned to say like, but meeting people out in the world, I think is a really great vetting tool. Um, because again, the internet is the internet in all the ways mm-hmm. uh, where you can hide, alter who you are as a person, but meeting people in sex positive spaces at, you know, sex ed classes at your local sex toy store, meeting people out in the world like that can be a really great way to, again, get to know what you're actually looking for, get to know who in your area is looking for what you're looking for. And, tend to find people who have a little bit more sexual literacy because they are, they have community around them who knows, Hey, this guy's or this gal's really good at this. Or, you know, you're interested in rope. I know a whole like rope dojo that you should check out because that's a way to meet people and to get to know people outside of all of the kind of confusing signals that can happen online. Mm -hmm. Right. 
But at the same time, you're right. I think that like we all live under patriarchy, right? And, mm-hmm. and cis men included. And we have some really terrible lessons. And the the one thing I always say in the book and in life is you just have to treat people like people, even if you're not going to see them after tomorrow morning, right? Like mm-hmm. you need to still treat them as vibrant, loving human beings who need connection in this world. Because that's really what we're doing, right? We're looking mm-hmm. to connect, even if it is, again, a two-hour romp or a 12-year relationship. This is advice that really doesn't have a gender attached. Just acknowledge that we are all living under these really terrible stereotypes about gender. And then ultimately, we need to cut through those and start to relate to each other as people and to treat each other with dignity. I mean, the, the epigraph to my book is from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Just be excellent to each other right? Like that's it. Just be excellent. Even if that relationship is going to be over as soon as the light switch turns on, be excellent to each other anyway, because this is, this is about community. This isn't just about you and some random person you meet at a bar. This is about the next person or people that that person sleeps with and the lessons that they've learned by having sex with you that they're going to take to those new partners and vice versa. And this is when we start to exactly examine this as like a, a quality of sexual citizenship, right? We are in a, soci- a sexual society together. Um, and that again, we are all related. So many people have bad experiences because some other ex that that person had treated them in such a way that they learned a lesson about that. And now they're taking that lesson into the bedroom with you. Mm. And so the, the best we can do to disrupt negative patterns and teach good behavior to our sexual mm-hmm. partners, um, that just improves the sexual cachet of your entire community. Absolutely. I mean, I, I love the way that you put that for sure. I mean, we talk about sort of the hookup culture as if it's something that is that doesn't include us. But those of us who are out there engaged in casual sex, we are a part of the, the hookup culture and we can influence that culture because we are the people who are in it for sure. And, you know, for some people it's easier, for others not so much. But I do think that, I, I love the way that you're thinking about this whole thing as a, as a community, as a, as a sexual citizenship. I really love that framing um, and really taking ownership of have the sex that you want in the world. You know, that's the, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the way I'm, that's the way I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, my partner, Reed Mahalko says like, be the change you want to see in the bedroom, right? Like <laughs> yeah. it starts from teaching, treating, like teach people how to treat you. Right. And mm-hmm. so that's the, yeah, the change. Yeah, absolutely. So here's the thing, uh, and that resonates with me. We are in communities. We're fortunate. We're privileged to be in communities, sex positive communities in the areas that we live in. And this is available. Referral sex is available to us and and connections are available to us. We know where our good sex toy stores are and we go to the seminars, the workshops and everything else. What about those people who don't have that around them? What are some of the things that we can tell Mm -hmm. them how to go out into the world and, and doing it in a safe way and maybe even creating community around them? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, say I'd say it's it's it really does start with getting to know yourself, but then finding your people, and that might be a virtual community, right? Like you might truly live in a very isolating place, and 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 that way, I understand, and I, I sympathize because it's true. There are places in this world in which it's very dangerous to be your sexual self-expressed mm-hmm. self. And the internet is this beautiful, powerful tool of connecting people, again, for better and for worse sometimes, mm-hmm. but like to find your people to start to explore. And again, like I grew up in Ohio. I grew up in a conservative small town. Um, I did not feel like I had queer community to access, right? I had to emancipate myself. I had to become an adult before I actually started to really understand who I was as a sexual person, right? 
So there sometimes might be that. So like young listeners might just have to wait until they are legally able to move to a city that is safe to be themselves. Right. Mm. But at the same time, like I, I think people might be surprised who's freaky out in the sticks. Right. Like mm-hmm. I have so many stories from friends of or like I've taught at universities in the middle of all sorts of different places where it's kind of amazing what people are getting up to, right? Mm -hmm. Lots of people having very kinky rural sex and really interesting, (laughs) you know, munches, which is like swinger meetups in in rural America. Like that that is out there for sure. Mm -hmm. New York City does not has not cornered the market on sexual freaky deakiness. Let me tell you <laughs> again, like t- meet some farm boys. You will be surprised. Um, <laughs> so I will, I will say that like, don't assume that you don't have community just because of where you live. Um, but at the same time, like I know a lot of people who might start seeking out stuff in the next town over, right. Or the next small city over to feel safe that they can be themselves without running into, you know, their high school basketball coach or whatever, Mm -hmm. but start to try and find like, try to understand your geographic access and also your internet access. And maybe that Venn diagram of where those two meet. And it might be, I'm going to take the bus an hour away to see what's out there. Right. And just to Mm -hmm. see what's there. I think sometimes, again, for those of us who are reaching for sexual community, just knowing that it's there for us when we need to tap into it can Mm -hmm. be the balm that we need. Right. For me, Mm -hmm. like I would go to Cleveland in Ohio to the gay bar just to be around gay people. Right. As Mm -hmm. soon as I was legally able to just because I just needed to see, and it wasn't an easy trek for me, but like it was something I needed to do for myself. I mm-hmm. started volunteering at the LGBT center just again, one, every once in a while. So I could go and know that I would be around people like mm-hmm. me. Um, mm-hmm. So that might be the thing where you start to invest time and energy and money into finding that community. And, and again, like prioritizing it as though you were really into, I don't even know, like kit cars or whatever, like whatever their hobby is, right? Like people, mm-hmm. people travel for those things. People travel for community. People meet in different places around the country. So that might be you, you know, you might treat that kink fest as your annual trip to Disneyland, right? Like that might be yeah. your way to let off steam. And then you can go back to your conventional job in middle of nowhere. And I, again, I know so many people that do this. I, I and, and I guess maybe it's one other thing about that is, don't think that because the uh, sexual community isn't your flavor that they don't have anything to offer you. Right. Mm. So, um, as an example, so uh, there are a lot of leather contests around the country. There are a lot of kink conferences around the country. And again, I'm only speaking from American perspective because that's really the perspective that I know, but, um, there are lots of, of these things that happen all year long. Right. And I, when I go to these things to teach, I always meet people who are like, I saved up all year. I'm using my two weeks of vacation. And I like me and my best friend traveled to this conference specifically to meet people and play and get some numbers and see what's out there. And then again, I'm going to go back. But like, I think there's a lot of room for that. If you decide that this is something that you want to pursue, you can absolutely explore that. And again, like you might not be into kink or leather, but if you're interested in sex positive community, that's a great stepping stone to find more people that are into what you're into. Um, and so to use that kind of community as a way to just 
see what else is out there, make friends. And then again, like I'm not into a lot of hardcore BDSM, but I teach at those places. And then I meet amazing people who tell me, Hey, have you heard about this thing that's happening? That sounds right up your alley. Um, and that's again, like we think of sex as this thing that happens between either strangers or married partners. Whereas like I have had sex with so many of my friends, I've had sex next to my friends. Because once you get to a point where you're comfortable enough with your sexuality, like you can have those intimate bonds with people. And again, those people can tell you where to look for other things or can give you insight into other places. And I, I think that, again, treating this as like sexual community and sexual citizenship is a great way of approaching this as like developing your own access to sex and to sexual expression. Everything that you're saying rings so true to me. And I, I do absolutely, I mean, this is something I had never thought about it this way. And I'm loving this framing of sexual citizenship. It's, it's like, it's like echoing in my brain and how much it touches so many different aspects. So I'm going to, I'm definitely going to sit with that idea for sure. And as you were talking, the thing, the other thing that came up for me was we actually have a whole episode um, called Sex as a Hobby which is something that I preach all the time, like treat sex right. as a hobby, you know, and it is a great yeah. hobby, you know, spend time, learn about great. it, buy all the things, enjoy, you know, enjoy, share it mm-hmm. with people, find other people who like doing it and you know, just like, just reframe it so that it's a, it's a hobby. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely, when I heard you say that, I was like, yes, sex is a hobby <laughs> all the way. That's great. I love it. So it's so succinct the way you said it. I appreciate that. I'm going to, I'm going to use that. <laughs> if you don't. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And also fuck your friends. I, I do, I do, I do think that's mm-hmm. good advice. Again, yeah. we're from sex positive communities. So it, it seems like a no brainer to us. Of course you fuck your friends. Like who else are you going to fuck? Mm-hmm. But I do think when people hear it for the first time who are not in those communities, it seems so abrasive. Like it's, it feels like you need to separate mm-hmm. this idea of sexuality for only certain boxes with only certain people. And if it's not your your husband or your, your wife, your you know partner, it's like strangers that you're never going to talk to again. Or, you know, we just want to mm-hmm. confine it, you know, be in, do- in rooms that you're never going to go back to, you know, in that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And the idea is, well, actually, and there's this option that you can really share it with people that you already love in a way that might mm-hmm. not be romantic love, but you love them and you care about them and you think about them and they think about you and you'd like to take care of each other. So have a t-shirt, fuck your friends. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. I love that. So um, I want to ask about this. So you, you, you kind of mentioned this already, but I want to dig in a little bit because be excellent. I, I did I did see that at the front of your book. It, it is great advice. Um, I do want to dig in a little bit though. What does that look like in a hookup? Like if you can like take me through meeting somebody fresh, um, even if you're being referred by like, the first time you were meeting them to having your experience and coming out the other side and kind of high-fiving and going your own way. Like, what is good etiquette for this? Like, how do you live up to that sexual citizenship passport that you get when you're done with this? Well, I think the first thing is to acknowledge that not everybody's going to approach a hookup with the same from the same background that you are, like everybody's different. Everybody's going to come into a hookup with their own baggage, with their own history uh, and with their own preferences. Right. So as just that's step one is acknowledging like you might be here for different reasons and that's okay. Right. Um, Those reasons don't have to match. They just have to mesh. Right. Like whatever that is. So acknowledging that, first of all, secondly, I think it's People are often surprised when they encounter sex positive community about how much talking we do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably not surprising. I'm a very loquacious person, but like I, at an orgy, right? There is a lot of talking. <laughs> it's not eyes <laughs> wide shut, right? It's not mm-hmm. a bunch of just hot people humping. Like there is negotiation, there's questions, there's laughter, there's a lot of conversation that's happening because you are deciding if what 
you are into works with what they're into. And you're trying to find, again, that Venn diagram overlap of where can we meet to have a good time? You know, my, my partner is way sluttier than I am. And, you know, he shares these stories of like getting excited about somebody. He's also incredibly vanilla, right? Doesn't like pain. It doesn't like power dynamics. None of that. So when he goes to the same conference as I go to, and he meets these like hot, kinky, heavy BDSM players who want to play with him. And he's like, okay, um, I like cuddling. Um, I like kissing. And they're like, well, I like a uh, single tail whipping. I like uh, breath play. And then he's like, okay, okay, okay. Where do we, we're going to try and find the place in the middle that we can meet, right? We can, we're going to find the place where we're both, because we both want to hook up. We just don't know how. Right. Mm-hmm. So even if you are not a heavy player at co- conferences, if you are just meeting somebody cute and you're trying to figure it out, like, there's going to be some conversation that happens. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's conversation about like, you know, have you ever done this before? Have you ever been with a woman before or have you ever used this kind of toy before? All the way up to like, I love to ask um, like or I love to say like for me, ow means ow. If you want to hurt me a little bit, I'm fine with asserting my, my boundaries. But if I say, ow, that's, that means you hurt me to a degree that I want you to stop, right? That's mm-hmm. all it is. Oftentimes when I'm getting to know a new person's body, I will ask, like, I will ask them to like, you know, like if they say like, oh, I like pain, I'm like, great. Like I'm going to do so, like I'm going to pinch you. I'm going to bite your nipple or something slowly until I get to the point in which it's not fun anymore. And you're going to tell me where that is. And so now I know they'll, they'll tap me on the head or they'll say ow or whatever. And then I'm like, okay, great. Like, this is how hard I can bite you or squeeze you or whatever until it becomes not fun anymore. So now I've got a great understanding of where your own pain pleasure boundaries are. Mm-hmm. And again, there's a lot of exploration and play and there's a lot of talking and asking questions. And it doesn't have to be like a dissertation. Like I've definitely, I recently hooked up with somebody where it was like, we started making out and I was like, oh, clearly this is hot and heavy. We took a break. And then we were like, you know, she shared her needs and I'm like, great. Like I shared what I'm interested in. She said, great. And then we got into bed and everything kind of flowed. And then there would be moments when I went to ask a question and it can be a simple yes, no question. But again, approaching it from the perspective of, I don't know how your body works. I don't know what you like. The only way I can learn is by asking you and hopefully you respond verbally Or, you know, if you don't want to respond verbally, just make noise, right? Like, okay, like if I kiss you here, like just make a noise that says pleasure or make a noise that says nah, right? That can be enough sometimes. But as long as you're approaching it from a listening perspective, not an agenda perspective, right? I think, and this is where creepiness comes in. This is where oftentimes issues of like non-consent come in is that when a person goes into a hookup with an agenda of how the hookup is supposed to look, what is supposed to happen, that's where shit can get really squirrely. That's where shit can go wrong. Because mm-hmm. as soon as that other person isn't on the same page, if you have an agenda, you're going to keep trying to push that agenda, even if they're not interested anymore, right? And this is where like, we have to be really careful because if we have in our head one idea of what sex looks like, if we only watch porn and we watch heteronormative porn and we only understand that this is what sex looks like, when you go to choke your partner and she freaks out, you're like, well, the porno looked like she liked being choked, 
right? Well, that's then you're ro- broken if you don't behave like a porn star does, right? Mm-hmm. We start to have this notion of people as video game characters, people as as other like non entities, and I think w- my big concern as a citizen of the world is noticing how we're we in our culture are getting really good at r- stripping the humanity away from other people, mm-hmm. right? And I think people are taking that into the bedroom very very often. And again, we're not listening for nuance. We're not looking for subtlety. We're not excited about variety. We have mm-hmm. this idea of this is how you're supposed to behave. And if you don't behave this way, it's because you're broken, not because I'm doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. The intensity that I can possibly muster, like we need to start acknowledging the full humanity of people that we sleep with, uh, mm-hmm. the full diversity and uniqueness of sexuality in those people. And we should approach it like your podcast with curiosity, not mm-hmm an attempt to tell them how to be sexual in this world. Mm-hmm. And if you discover in either the conversation or the actual hookup that you're actually not on the same page, that's just information. It can be like, mm-hmm. great, you know what? Time out. I don't think this is working for me. Let's either take mm-hmm. a break or maybe like take a longer break. Right? <laughs> um, <laughs> be done. And that's, oh, that's fine. Right? Like, but again, like we, we, we don't have a sense of, of being able to stop sex in the middle. We don't have the sex of being able to time out, tap somebody in the head and be like, actually, I think that we're moving in different directions. Can we come back to square one? Because of shame, because we're taught like I'm supposed to enjoy this because this is sex. And if I'm not enjoying it, it's something, there's something wrong with me. Right. And that's not actually how that works. And I think that that's we need to really stop, stop using these stereotypes and shame to teach us how to behave. Right. We need to start really to connect with people as people always. I mean, absolutely. Everything that you're saying, again, makes so much sense. And I think a part of that is, I think some of the stripping the, the humanity that you're talking about and the disconnection in the bedroom, it's one of the reasons is I think we all, because of the internalized shame, we disconnect from ourselves. And I think both asking the questions of, you know, how is this? Like, I want to get to know you. I think this is how you started the conversation as well. Like, how am I arriving at this experience as well? Like, am I, am I able to be tuned into myself so I can take responsibility of saying the ow, the yay or the nay? Or, or even knowing what I need in that session? Because I find that I may be really up for things, you know, one day and the next day I'm not really into that. And one day my pain threshold is really high and that's where I want to go. Or another day, probably like close to my period, I'm like, you know, butterfly kisses only. And if you like even scratch me by accident, mm-hmm. I'm going to be, you know, mad at you, you know? So I think... Just knowing, <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. And just knowing like you change from session to session, even if you're having sex with the same people over and over again, I do think that you don't always arrive in in the, in the same state so that that communication that you're talking about is 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 definitely key and i think again the thing that stood out for me is we talk a lot about um permission inspiration and permission on the show like approaching these topics with ins- with inspiration to know like what is out there and permission to know you get to have this like you get to have these exper- experiences you get to have your boundaries, you get to have pleasure. Um, and here's a community of people who are doing it. Right. So, um, and that's kind of what I'm hearing from what you're saying as well. Like go out there. There's a bunch of options, a bunch of people, a bunch of opportunities out there and know that you can, you can have that and you can, you can engage in that. Um, and that on, on a micro level, it's things like you said about stopping the action or, you know, course correcting or saying, I don't feel this anymore. Let's do something else. And we don't say that. And, and, we don't say it and we don't receive it well either. Like, and that's, this is a both-sided thing. If, if you tell somebody that you're having, you know, having sex with, oh, you, you want an adjustment. 
one of the things I think holds us back is like their reaction to it because we've internalized. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like the ultimate rejection that you're bad mm-hmm. at everything else that you're doing. The world's coming <laughs> to an end because somebody said move left a little bit. You know? Yeah, sure. Yeah, totally. We can take that stuff way too personally. Yeah. But yeah, I think that like something about like it's it's just owning that. Oftentimes, like if I am in that position, like I will often say like, hey, something is coming up for me, like. I just need to pause for a second. Like, and I might even say like, you're not doing anything wrong, but like that, I mean, I had a lover where I I was going through a really hard time and Mm -hmm. I started weeping during sex. And of course he was Mm -hmm. like concerned, paused, checked, which again, I really appreciated. And I had a second to check in with my body. I'm like, Oh no, this is actually really good. Like you're fucking me. Right. And I need to have this emotional release. If you're okay with continuing and me crying, we can keep going. But it's also up to you. You don't have to fuck a crying woman if you don't want to, right? Like that's something that he also had, was at choice with. And I wanted to, and I, again, like we often think that like men aren't a deeply emotional creatures as well when it comes to sexuality, but like mm-hmm. he had his choice there too. And so we came to the conclusion, yes, we both would like to keep going. And yes, mm-hmm. I'm going to cry while it happens. And it was great. And it was a beautiful, loving, wonderful experience. But it, re- it required us a pause and assessment so that we were both okay with what happened next. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Alison, thank you so much for your wisdom. This is such an interesting conversation and the insight and the nuances that you're arriving at this topic is, is awesome. I, I really have taken away so much that I want to sort of sit there and, and think about. Thank you so much for your time and your energy that you bring to the show and sharing your wisdom. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Effie. Happy to be on. To connect with Alison Moon, jump on Instagram at Alison underscore Moon or visit her website, girlsex101.com. If you'd like to listen to more episodes on sex, sexuality and dating, check out the new episode drop email from Curious Fox in your inbox while you'll find show notes, links mentioned on the show, along with other episode suggestions that we think you might love. If you're not getting those, by the way, you are missing out. So jump on our website, wearecuriousfoxes.com, and sign up to our newsletter. And of course, while you're there, check out all the blog posts and the resources and the reading lists and recommendations and more. If you want to weigh in on this topic or connect with other Foxy listeners, head to Facebook and join the Facebook group at We Are Curious Foxes. If you find our episodes interesting and helpful, please share our podcast with a friend Quickly rate the show, leave a comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or connect with the show however it makes sense on your fave podcast app. This will take a few seconds of your time and will be a big impact for us. To support the show, join us on Patreon at We Are Curious Foxes where you can find mini episodes, podcast extras and over 50 videos from educated-led workshops go to patreon.com forward slash wearecuriousfoxes. And let us know that you're listening by sharing a comment, a story, or a question by emailing us or sending us a voice memo to listening at wearecuriousfoxes.com. This episode is produced by Effie Blue with help from Yamur Erkishi. Our editor is Nina Pollock, who continues to support us to be fully self-expressed. Our intro music is composed by Dev Saha. We are so grateful for their work and we're grateful to you for listening. As always, stay curious, friends. Curious Fox podcast is not and will never be the final word on any topic. 
We solely aim to encourage curiosity and provide a space for exploration through connection and story. We encourage you to listen with an open and curious mind, and we'll look forward to your feedback. Stay curious, friends. Stay curious. 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 Stay curious.